Hello, Beat Check listeners. I'm Gosia Wozniacka, and I'm the environmental reporter at The Oregonian and also one of the new hosts of Beat Check. Today, I'm with Brian Stewart, who's co-founder of Electrify Now, which is a volunteer-based organization in Portland that helps people electrify everything, pretty much from your car to uh, the house that you live in. And today, we're going to be talking about heat pumps, which could soon replace all of our furnaces and air conditioners. So let's get started. Welcome to the show, Brian. Thank you. Nice to be here. Yeah, thanks for taking the time to speak with me. My pleasure. So for starters, I want to ask you, what is the buzz about? Um, Heat pumps uh, seem to be everywhere. Uh, Why are they so fabulous? Well, it's a great question, and it's very true that suddenly there's lots of chat about heat pumps, and there wasn't, you know, when we started Electrify Now just four, almost five years ago, it seemed like if we could just get people to say those words, heat pump, we were making a big uh, difference. But now there's much more conversation about it in the popular media, consumer media, etc. And I, I think there's a couple of reasons why people are excited about them. First of all, the technology is not new. It's been around for almost 100 years, maybe even more than 100 years. Um, and it's been in our refrigerators and our air conditioners and the air conditioners in our cars. So those are all heat pumps. So we've had heat pumps in our lives forever. But I think the reason why there's uh, more conversation about it now, one is that technology has gotten even better, which is worth talking about. But it's more, I think, that that what is common in places like Japan, for example, in parts of Europe, are now being, um, and even southern parts of the United States that are very common, are now being more familiar for people here. And they have some tremendous advantages, which we'll talk about. I'm sure. <laughs> got it. Got it. So, yeah, let's talk about these benefits. Uh, first of all, uh, the climate. Uh, uh, why are they good for the climate? The, the main reason they're good for the climate has to do with this uh, idea that I'm, I'm sure people have heard about of um, electrify everything, where it's basically this idea that we could be shifting our electricity generation to renewables, wind and solar, because the prices are coming down so dramatically. And that means we have all this um, readily available, uh, low carbon energy to use. And then we can use that energy for transportation, for to fuel EVs. We can use it for heating our homes, for heat pumps. And we can use it for um, pretty much anything that, that needs power. So a heat pump can be um, powered with electricity and our grid is getting cleaner and cleaner all the time. It's already clean enough to make a big difference. But the, so what happens when you move away from burning fossil fuels, in this case for homes, I think the relevant fuel that most people would be uh, thinking about or, or have in their homes would be natural gas, methane. When you move away from that to clean electricity or even the electricity we have right now, you get these massive reductions in um climate pollution or carbon emissions, you know, whichever words you want to use, but it is dramatic. Um, yeah. And, and to add to that, uh, buildings are the second source of uh, greenhouse gas emissions in Oregon. So it's pretty uh, key to uh, basically decarbonize those. It is, it is. And I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of people don't appreciate that. I think people understand, you know, coal plants and they understand even cars and the pollution that they produce, but most people don't aren't aware of the pollution that comes from our buildings, and it's partly air pollution, but it's also carbon emissions from from heating our homes and offices. And yeah, it's a big source. 
Got it. Um, but it's not about just gas furnaces, right? Because a lot of people in uh, Oregon also have electric furnaces, uh, resistance heaters, baseboard heaters. Uh, how, ha how can uh, heat pumps help uh, yeah. eliminate those and why should they? That's a great question. And I think the uh, a lot of people are familiar with electric resistance technology. That's basically what's in your toaster, you know, your baseboard heater, as you mentioned. And this is the kind of old electric technology that we have to move away from. And there were there were advantages to gas heating compared to electric resistance heating from cost um, and from carbon emissions, not so much, but from cost for sure, um, because it's a relatively expensive way to heat your home. But now with these electric heat pumps, they use, you know, maybe one quarter of the amount of energy that it would take to heat your home with an electric resistance um, technology. So there's obviously tremendous economic advantages to moving away from electric resistance heat. But because of that reduced energy use, you also get emissions reductions because anytime you use less energy, you're going to um, create fewer emissions. So the the transition away from electric resistance to heat pumps is almost excited, as exciting as the transition away from gas hmm. heating to heat pumps, because in both cases you get um, big carbon emissions reductions. Mm -hmm. And they can save you a significant amount of money. Yes, particularly if you have electric resistance heating, yeah. it's a no-brainer. I mean, you could cut your heating bills by literally thousands of dollars. Um, even over $1,000 per year wow. easily wow. Um, by doing that. And we'll talk a little bit about that later in the show. Um, one other benefit uh, that I wanted to bring up is obviously heat pumps uh, can both heat and cool, and they've been promoted uh, as a uh, as something that's uh, good to use for the heat domes, extreme heat that we're having in Oregon. Why are they a good solution for that as opposed to air conditioners? Yeah, they're... So a heat pump is basically very similar technology to an air conditioner, but it has the advantage that it can essentially operate two, two ways. So imagine if your refrigerator, for example, could cool your food, but also heat your food. That's what a heat pump is. A refrigerator right now is basically an air conditioner, mm -hmm. if you want to think of it that way. So uh, heat pumps can move both directions, but the other th the reason why they're an advantage over air conditioning is that in general, they're more efficient. They The standards for them are, are more um, strict and demanding, and they're going to use less energy. So in general, um, heating with a heat pump will, or sorry, cooling with a heat pump will um, improve your energy efficiency in your home compared mm -hmm. to an air conditioner. But then again, it has that added benefit that it can provide heating. Mm -hmm. So with one system, you're doing it all rather than having to have potentially two in your home. Got it, got it. And they essentially, the heat pumps, they move the heat, right? They don't generate it, which is why they're so efficient. Exactly. And, you know, they're, it's, it, it's a little complicated to describe exactly how they work, and you don't really need to know. Right. <laughs> but essentially, that is the key. That's why they're called heat pumps, which is a name that I think some people hang up on. But it is a pretty efficient or, or uh, sorry, descriptive uh, terminology because it is moving it's pumping the heat from one place to another and that's why they're really efficient they use these really efficient little motors and valves to um, move 
the refrigerant, the fluid from one place to another and compress it and decompress it in order to get these, this kind of heating um, uh, movement from one place to another that's incredibly efficient. And, and the reason, you know, I mentioned that they've been around for, you know, 100 years or so, but the, they've been perfected to the point where they take just less and less energy and the amount of heat that they can transfer from one place to another is getting larger and larger and larger. Um, which makes them more effective, more effective in cold temperatures, and more efficient, more cost-effective, et cetera. Yeah. So actually, let's talk about that, the cold temperatures. So one of the questions that's hanging over heat pumps is uh, whether they can actually heat uh, in cold temperatures. Uh, you know, it, as you mentioned, they've been around, you know, especially places like Asia and uh, Europe in recent years. But in the U.S., they've pretty much been adopted just in southern states, where the m winters are pretty mild. And so uh, a lot of people, when they think about heat pumps, they uh, think about machines that, you know, can heat up to uh, a, a certain level. But once it gets really cold, they, they're really not working very well. Um, is that true? And, and, you know, can they handle cold snaps? The short answer is yes, they can handle very cold weather. And they're being used in places like Alaska and northern Vermont, some of the coldest places in the United States. But the more... Um, nuanced answer, I guess. The important thing to understand is that all heat pumps are not alike. You know, it's there are heat pumps that are designed for places like Florida, let's say, or Texas, where you don't get where you have huge cooling loads, but not very much heat load that's required. And so, the technology f for that climate wouldn't work well here because you wouldn't get the required amount of heating capacity out of it. Um, so it's important to get the right equipment. Um, and also, like as I mentioned, this whole category of what's called, often referred to as cold climate heat pumps, which can heat, you know, with 100% of their efficiency down to like minus 13 degrees, um, you know, which temperatures we will never see here in the Pacific Northwest. Um, those technologies are now much more uh, available and prevalent and and cost-effective than they would have been before. So <clears throat> I guess the short answer is yes, you can heat and cool your home even in cold climates with only a heat pump, but you have to have the right one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was looking up the countries that uh, lead the adoption of uh, heat pumps, and it's Norway, Finland, Sweden, Estonia, and Denmark. And those are countries with pretty darn cold winters. So, Absolutely. And yes. then in the U.S., we have Maine and Alaska. So, yep. uh, and, and these folks uh, in those countries are getting heat pumps uh, as a replacement to their previous heating system. So they don't have any backup heat. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, we we had a long conversation with Efficiency Maine. You mentioned Maine, and it is the coldest place in the um, like contiguous United States, northern Maine. And they found that there it was actually cheaper there to run a heat pump than to run a heat pump with a gas backup, even um, because they're so efficient. And of course, these, whenever we when we get into these cost um, conversations that, you know, you have to keep in mind the relative cost of electricity, the gas. Right. But there in Maine, for example, they've, they're finding that it's more cost effective to just heat with heat pumps. Hmm. Hmm. 
It, another thing I should mention too is uh, these cold climate heat pumps, as they're called. Uh, they a lot of the models tend to be uh, Japanese models, uh, but the U.S. Uh, uh, the Department of Energy uh, recently launched this. Uh, program to basically get U.S. companies to also uh, improve their technology. And so they've been coming up with uh, new uh, cold climate heat pump technology. Uh, and so I'm expecting that that's going to be available soon, probably. Yeah, I think that's a really exciting program, this cold climate heat pump challenge. I think it's referred to that the Department of Energy is running. And I think the promise of that is that we will have more available solutions for cold climate um, situations and domestic manufacturing is also kind of an advantage to that because at the moment, as you mentioned, the, the leaders in this technology typically have been the Japanese companies. And what you find is that most of the American brands, and these are the same people that make furnaces, by the way, people like Carrier and Train and Lennox, et cetera, they, um, their heat pump divisions have formed partnerships in typically with Japanese companies to help them to bring the advantages that they have developed over decades in places like Japan to our country and incorporate them in the, the same product lines that, you know, we brands we'd be familiar with. Got it. Got it. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about money. Um, you mentioned at the beginning that uh, heat pumps can save people money and uh, is it everybody across the board uh, if you were to switch to heat pump tomorrow? Uh, or are there certain situations where they save more money, certain situations where they save less? Yeah, that's a great question. The, the, the answer is that it depends <laughs> a little bit. But uh, I think it's fair to say if you have electric resistance heating, and, and that's about, I think it's it's about 35% of the, the heating in Oregon, um, in our buildings is electric resistance. In that case, absolutely, you will save money and dramatic amounts. Like, like I mentioned before, $1,000 a year wouldn't be um, unusual uh, for a typical home to save oh. every year from, from that switch. If you have an oil furnace, which again, those are rarer, but here in the city, here in Portland, we still have a few of those left in older homes. Um, you'll absolutely save money. Again, it's pretty similar to electric resistance, mm -hmm. you know, potentially thousands of dollars, uh, over a thousand dollars a year. Mm -hmm. What about natural gas? Furnaces? If you have an older gas furnace, like a 80, like typically, you know, an older gas furnace is probably, was 80% efficiency when it was put in. And now it's probably operating in more like, I don't know, 70% efficiency because that's what happens over time you will absolutely save money and it will be less dramatic, but hundreds of dollars for sure, um, switching to a heat pump. I think the, the comparison where I would say I wouldn't want to promise someone a big savings is if you have a high efficiency gas furnace. A new high efficiency gas furnace and a good heat pump are going to be comparable. I think it's, I think there's still some savings to be had, but I don't promise that to people because, you know, you might not notice it, you know, mm -hmm. it might be more in the tens or, you know, low hundred dollars or something like that a year, which those kind of variations can be invisible year to year, depending on the, the temperature, you know, one winter is colder than the another, you know, so those are harder to see. I think that difference is going to get bigger, mm -hmm. um, even with high efficiency equipment, gas equipment, because 
gas prices, as you know, have gone up really dramatically in the last two years, almost 40%, I think. Um, and all the long-term projections show continued gas price increases, even the gas companies themselves who model this show significant increases to costs continuing in, for the next 20 years. Right. Um, so I think the, that comparison is going to get more favorable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but at the moment, I, I would say I wouldn't promise someone a big dramatic savings on their uh, energy bills if, you, if you're comparing a high-efficiency gas furnace to a heat pump. Got it, got it. And, well, especially if you're adding air conditioning during the summer, which is, you know, yes. a, an expense you yes. maybe didn't have before. Exactly. So your electric yeah. bills might go up. So even if your electric bills go up, is there still a good reason to get a heat pump? Um, well, yes. I think there's, you know, we obviously some people motivated by the climate benefits that we discussed, you know, which is dramatic, you know, 70 to 80 percent reduction in your carbon emissions. But um the other benefits have to do with comfort. Um, so, of course, we mentioned uh, air conditioning, and a lot of people are motiva motivated by that. So if you've got a gas furnace and you don't have air conditioning now, heat pump is a great solution for that. In fact, I was just checking in with my contractor friends, and with this relative you know, upspike in temperatures recently, their phones are off the hook for air conditioning. It's a big motivator for people, um, comfort. So as you mentioned, yes, the heat pump will come with air conditioning, which is fantastic. But even in the case of heating, people who live in homes that are heated with air, uh, sorry, with heat pumps generally report more comfort. Mm -hmm. And the reasons for that are have to do with the way a heat pump heats versus the way a furnace heats. You know, if you think about combusting gas, it creates these incredibly high temperatures. So it's too, too much heat, really. So mm -hmm. what that means is that the furnace kind of has to go on and off in order to not overheat your house. And so what you typically see is the temperature in your rooms are going to fluctuate between some a few degrees higher than your temperature, whatever you set. Say you set it at 70, maybe it goes up to 72, and then it goes down to 68 and back to 72 mm -hmm. and 68. And you might have some... Because it's going on and off, that means that the area is close to the vents, the registers, the, the ducts in your home will be warm, and the places farther away may, may be less so because the furnace doesn't have time to get heat over there. With a heat pump, you're, you're talking about lower temperatures. Um, there's, it's still warm. It's, it's like warm air instead of hot air is a way of thinking about it. It's, mm -hmm. so it and it operates more continuously. Mm -hmm. So that means that there's more air movement in your home, which a lot of people will notice just from the standpoint of um, air cleanliness, more air going through your filters, et cetera. But it also means that that air has time to move over into the corners of your room that are farther away from your ducts and you get more uniform heat. And if you set your temperature to 70 degrees, it's gonna be 70 degrees mm -hmm. the whole time. Um, and that can equate to more comfort um, and yeah. So that sounds pretty good, uh, and all the other benefits that we've talked about. Are there any drawbacks to heat pumps? Uh, I know you mentioned, you know, the grid isn't clean yet, so we're, you know, even if you get a heat pump, it's not going to be fully reliable on uh, renewables. Uh, beyond that, is there are there any other disadvantages? I mean, there, not really. I mean, the, the grid question, you know, 
with the grid the way it is today, you're going to see a like a, there's a very sophisticated study from the uni, um, University of California Davis that looked at all these factors like methane leaks, um, refrigerant leaks, um, which are very minor, by the way, but they included that in their study and the long term, what they call marginal emissions rates for electricity, which is basically a very sophisticated look at the way our electric system works. And they concluded here in the Pacific Northwest, a heat pump uh, installed today would save somewhere between 75 to 80 percent of the carbon emissions compared to the highest efficiency gas furnace you could, you could install. So even with the electric grid the way it is today, you're going to see huge carbon emissions reductions. I would also remind people if, if you're interested in reducing your emissions, you can get 100% renewable energy to your home today with things like uh, community solar programs and actually right. pay less on your electric bill um, and get 100% clean energy, in which case your heat pump would be producing zero emissions. Um, so we, we are going to get 100% clean energy here in Oregon due to the laws, the clean energy bills. That's right, um, by 2040. Yeah, and even by 2030, there are going to be 80% uh, renewable. So our electricity is going to get, it literally gets cleaner every day, I think is the way of thinking about it. Mm -hmm. But um, you can, you don't have to wait. You can get 100% clean energy today. Got it, got yeah. it. Okay, so if you've decided that a heat pump is the thing for you, uh, what's the best way to go about it? Like, do you just rip out your gas furnace or <laughs> <laughs> resistance heaters out, you know, and get a heat pump the next day? Or, you know, do you wait until your gas furnace dies and then do it? Yeah. You know, how do you find a contractor who installs these things? Yeah, yeah, those are great questions. So first of all, you know, I, I, don't, I think it's fair to say that putting it in a new heating system is not a fun project that most people like relish or look forward to. Right. Um, but it is true that um, particularly if you're moving from, well, in either case, if you're moving from electric resistance heating or gas furnace to a heat pump, it's best to plan ahead because the worst situation to be in is to be, for it to be the middle of the winter and, you're, and it's cold outside and your furnace breaks mm -hmm. and you need to replace it because those emergency replacements are the worst time to do something like this because it can take, um, it could take you a couple of weeks to get in that situation to get it replaced, in which case you'd be very uncomfortable. Um, and that's, so the emergency replacement thing is something to avoid. If you're thinking about doing this, it's best to plan ahead. If you've got a furnace that's older than 10 years old or 12 years old, you've gotten good life out of it. Um, and you might want to think about planning to replace it and get someone in to talk to you about what that would entail. And if you do, if you plan ahead, you can sometimes reduce costs because mm -hmm. you can maybe, you know, figure out how to stage things so that you're you know, um, getting people there once rather than twice, that sort of thing. But it's best to plan ahead for sure. Got it. And is it most uh, contractors who are able to install these heat pumps or is there some special subset of them? Like, where do you find one? Yeah, yeah. Well, what I found, and I, I discovered this myself when we did this in our own home, and I've had several reports from people also uh, having the same experience, is that if you look in the, you know, online at, at the available HVAC folks out there, 
nearly everyone will talk about being able to put in a heat pump. I mean, it's not rocket science necessarily. Um, so, but the big difference isn't so much whether they can do it, it's whether they want to do it. And there, what I see, in fact, I was just um, uh, talking to a bunch of um, owners of ins installation companies um, through the carrier brand at their sort of sales meetings. And what, what you find is that there is a subset of the HVAC installer community that's really excited about heat pumps. They see that it's the future. They've invested in training and um, most likely they've installed a lot of them because they're excited about it. And those people are the people you want to work with. Mm -hmm. There are other people who will basically put in whatever you want and they're capable of doing it, but they might not want to do it. And there's other people who just just don't want to. They would rather put in a gas furnace because they've been doing it for 30 years or whatever and they know how to do that. And they prefer not to just deal with heat pumps. So it is less about skill sets in some ways, although I advise people and we have done a lot of work to identify contractors that we think A, are really qualified and B, are excited about this technology to point people to. Um, because you're going to have a better experience if you work with someone who's excited about this technology rather than someone who's like gr grudgingly putting it in for you. You don't want to work with that person. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So uh, I just want to let uh, our listeners know that uh, in our stories online, which I'll drop into the notes of this podcast, you'll be able to find a lot more practical pointers uh, on how to choose the right heat pump. But um, one thing that I found in my research is that heat pumps are pretty darn expensive. Um, why why so like what's the yeah. span uh, of prices and why are they so expensive yeah uh, you know it's always tough when you talk about costs and uh, uh, because you know everyone will say well every house is different and that kind of stuff but which is true um, so it's really hard to use numbers in a way that won't misrepresent things but to, to just do a kind of like rough rough numbers thing I think it's fair to say that like uh, and I, I was checking with my contractors just to sort of verify these numbers, just to make sure they're sort of in the ballpark. And I think all you, the, your listeners should consider these like ballpark numbers because um, your home might be different. It might be less than the numbers I'm going to say. It might be more. But in general, what people report is that a high-efficiency gas furnace, if you install it today, is going to cost you somewhere around $9,000-ish. could be more if you have a, uh, need a bigger, uh, more sophisticated system. Uh uh, a gas furnace with air conditioning, now you're talking more like 13 to, say, 16, something like that, typically is the numbers that I, I get. And then if you are thinking about a gas furnace with a heat pump, which is some people like that, if there's some advantage to that combination, um, now you're talking about more like 15 to 20-ish. And then if you want a standalone heat pump that's capable of working without a gas backup, and ideally even without electric resistance backup because you'll save money that way, um, you could be talking about more like 17-ish to, it could be as high as 25, depending on your home. So you can see these, these jumps, you know, of like three to $4,000-ish kind of. Um, and, but I think the most relevant uh, comparison is between a heat pump and a gas furnace with air conditioning. That's the most relevant comparison because that's the one where you're getting both heating and cooling right. and one which is a, essentially a gas system and one which is essentially a, an electric all electric system and and there so you're talking about something like a 4000 ish 
difference from mm -hmm. what, I don't know if that's what you've been hearing, but that's what, what uh, the contractors will tell me. And it might be less than that, but, um, but the interesting thing is that this is where the incentives become really important because mm -hmm. the, the IRA incentives, the Energy Trust of Oregon incentives yeah. can take nearly $3,000 of that difference away. In, um, and so now you're getting to the point where they're, yes, it's more expensive. But it's not dramatically more expensive mm -hmm. than a gas furnace with uh, air conditioning. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about those incentives. Yeah. What, what, what can people get to help defray these costs? Yeah, there's, um, uh, well, I think the first thing to know is that these incentives all come with qualifications mm -hmm. in terms of the equipment you're putting in. Right. So they are um, biased towards in incentives for the high efficiency equipment because that's what has the most benefit to our energy systems. So Energy Trust of Oregon has an um, incentive, which is, I think it's about, it's I think it's 650, if I, I believe, or 695, something like that, um, for a, a what's called an extended capacity heat pump. Um, the IRA has up to $2,000 um, uh, for and that the same. The IRA is? The, sorry, the Inflation Reduction Act, yes. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Um, and... There's also incentives associated with the Inflation Reduction Act for things like wiring and insulation and other things, but the, the HVAC incentive is $2,000. So now you're up to like 2600 or so, and there are oftentimes seasonal, you know, um, uh, promotions from the various brands and that sort of thing. Um, uh, but that's the range and the, the two major sources of incentives for, and this is for people who are, this is for homeowners who are not income qualified. If you're income qualified, those numbers go up um, from ETO. Mm -hmm. And also there's this whole class of uh, incentives that we haven't really seen yet rolled out from the Inflation Reduction Act, the rebate program for uh, uh, income qualified homeowners or um uh, landlords, etc., can take advantage of some of these things too. That's right. Where those come in the form of rebates mm -hmm. that are upfront rather than tax incentives, which is super exciting, but we don't really have the details on that yet yeah. in terms of how it's going to roll out. Yeah, and I should add the Inflation uh, Reduction Act is a, a massive uh, federal uh, law that basically is to help. Uh, with our transition to clean energy in, in various sectors. And so um, that's where a lot of these tax uh, uh, incentives and rebates uh, will be coming from. And as you mentioned, the, the rebates, uh, I believe, will be available either at the end of this year or uh, sometime next year. We don't know yet. They'll be administered by the state. And people who are low or moderate income will be able to uh, get up to it. $8,000 in rebates for heat pumps, which yes. is quite significant. Um, so, you know, should be able to cover at least maybe half or two thirds mm -hmm. of the project cost, depending again on your type of the house that you have and the situation that you need the heat pump for. Yes. So. And it's, we don't know yet, but it's very likely that the state will choose to administer these programs in a way where they can stack those incentives That's with right. other Mm -hmm. Other incentives that come from state money um, and, you know, Energy Trust of Oregon money yeah. on top of that $8,000 where you can get 
I think the goal is going to be to look for essentially, you know, free installations for mm -hmm. some income qualified homeowners who need that kind of assistance in order to do these sorts of upgrades, which are so important, not just for, you know, emissions reductions, but for comfort and health and safety in their homes. So mm -hmm. it's exciting that there's um, a lot of money from the state and federal level going towards these uh, to, to helping people who need need this the most. Yeah. Yeah. And I sh should add, too, that um, in many of the cases where I interviewed folks who got heat pumps, they realized when they got their quotes that um, beyond getting a heat pump, they would also need to get other upgrades. Um, so, for example, insulation, uh, electrical panel upgrade, uh, new wiring, things like that, especially people who uh, live in older homes. Um, and so that's additional thousands of dollars that they had to spend. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, the Inflation Reduction Act also has uh, incentives for those upgrades. So Yes. Um, and just a point about that, because you were asking why heat pump is more expensive. You know, those costs that I was quoting are including inst installation. And so, again, depending on your home situation, there almost definitely will, if you have a gas furnace right now and you're installing either an air conditioner or a heat pump, you're going to have to do some electrical work. Um, and so that's part of the reason why these things have these added costs is because there's, it's not just the equipment, it's also the electrical um, installation. But then there's this other situation that you're mentioning where potentially you're in an older home that doesn't have enough electrical panel service to handle these additional loads. I think the one thing I want to mention about that is that there are more and more um, solutions for avoiding those expensive panel upgrades that it is, uh, it's something I've been learning more about myself and I'm trying to get more information out. I'm working with some of the electrical utilities on this too, to try to get more information out to homeowners about this because it's possible to avoid these panel upgrades in most situations is what I'm hearing. And California is head of the curve on this because they see this massive wave of electrical panel upgrades coming their way, which they know is expensive and has potentially knock-on effects in terms of the cost of the grid. Um, so, Because if everybody upgraded their panel service from 100 amps to 200 amps, suddenly you've got to potentially make grid upgrades as well. So they're really good at pointing people in the direction of ways to avoid those, which I think is information that's um, available but less widely known and so if you maybe if you don't have an electrician who's aware of those solutions they might just default to a panel upgrade where maybe you didn't need one and you could save five thousand dollars or so in your project and those are called uh, load sharing devices. load sharing devices there's a, a kind of a, a thing called a watt diet which is a way to kind of think about your home so you you electrify it on a 100 amp panel. Hmm. It's There's lots of examples of that being done. But these load sharing devices are really exciting if you think about it. Like, would it be a big, uh, you know, inconvenience if you couldn't charge your EV and run your clothes dryer at the same time? I mean, would that really trouble you? Probably not. You wouldn't even notice it most likely. Yeah. Um, so that's one of the exciting things that's happening out there. Yeah, so it's as part of this electrify everything, we have to kind of rethink how we, almost how we live or how we use our devices and appliances. Mm -hmm. And they're getting smarter, you know, I mean, there's our devices will 
are really on the edge of being able to turn on and off without us interfering with them in order to save us energy or to avoid huge spikes in electrical grid usage during, you know, like everyone comes home on a hot day after work, for example, yeah. and you get these big spikes. And there's ways to avoid that with smart devices that um, can save energy consumers a lot of money in the long run. Going back to the money issue, so, I mean, getting one of these load-sharing devices might help you save you a few thousand dollars, but um, you still you need to come up with 15, 17, 20,000, uh, you know, minus the rebates. That's still a significant amount of money. And so some homeowners or folks who are not homeowners, you know, are, may not be able to afford it or may, may not even need that kind of heat pump system. And I'm wondering for those folks, you know, who really just won't be able to afford it because they don't have a few extra thousand in the bank, um, is there going to be anything else for them? Um, you know, or are they just going to be left out of this? Um, are you referring to people who maybe aren't income qualified, but who in that, that kind of middle zone? Well, or or who, who are, I mean, who do qualify for these rebates, but these rebates are not going to cover the entire cost mm. for many households. Yeah. So you still have to come up with some money. And so some people are just not going to be able to do that. Yeah. Um, so like I'm talking about the, you know, lowest income people. Um, yeah. Is there anything, are there going to be any free devices for them? Well, there are, as we mentioned, you know, the, 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 this concept of the state administering these programs with stacked incentives to really benefit the, the low-income folks. There are things like PCEF here. We're blessed mm -hmm. with that here in Portland where there's literally tens of close to hundreds of millions of dollars per year mm -hmm. generated. And that's the Portland Clean Energy Fund. Right. And that has... It's already with with through. Um, you know, we do a lot of work with Community Energy Project. They're a local nonprofit who works on weatherization and energy upgrades for low-income uh, families and homes here in in Portland. And they've been installing systems at no cost through funding from um, the Portland Clean Energy Fund. And and that's just getting started. I mean, they they were, you know, kind of piloting these programs in the last couple of years, and now they're getting to the point of scaling them try to get more homeowners um, to be able to take advantage of this. But so there, you know, I don't know that it will ever be enough. You know, yeah. I, I don't know about that, but there it's an unprecedented amount of money going towards these uh, low income families who need help. I mean, it's more than we've ever seen. So I think it's very encouraging, yeah. uh, you know, and hopefully between that and some of the new bills that are being considered in the legislation legislature this season in Oregon, um, there's there's definitely the awareness that these um, kind of frontline communities or you know marginally represented communities, low income communities need to be at the front of the line for this, and um, and it isn't just lip service. I mean, there's money going that direction. The, the other thing that we haven't mentioned is the Climate Protection Program, which is a uh, policies were passed in, here in Oregon, which mandate that the uh, gas utilities lower their emissions rates at really dramatic um, levels. And one of the mechanisms, the it looks like the most cost-effective mechanism they have is called climate uh, uh, community climate investments, which are essentially it's like an offset program. So it's more it's again another fund of tens of millions of dollars, which is which is um, earmarked through the Department of Environmental Quality to be spent on low-income communities to 
electrify their homes and take other weatherization me measures, et cetera, that will reduce carbon emissions and energy usage and, and benefit the, these communities who need it most. So there's... And some of that could go to uh, heat pumps, free absolutely, heat pumps. Absolutely, absolutely, mm -hmm. yep. So we've been talking about uh, heat pumps for people in existing homes. Uh, uh, what about uh, new construction? Is there, does Oregon have any mandates for uh, developers to install heat pumps in new homes? There are no mandates. Um, people might be aware that in Washington State, they passed building codes that require all new construction for residential and commercial be built with heat pumps. California has, has taken similar steps uh, at the city levels and has done things like put an expiration date on when you can even buy a gas furnace, 2030. Um, so California and, and Washington have taken those steps. In Oregon, we haven't. Um, there are a couple of things that I think are interesting. One is that the um, there's something called the line extension allowance, which is a really important um, device for new construction where uh, the cost of putting in an electrical system or a gas system is um, essentially subsidized by ratepayers with the idea that we're going to add this house to the to our network and it's going to consume energy and the um, the ratepayers will be paid back over time by the um, you know, the energy usage of that new house so that means that like for example if you wanted to build a new home with gas you got this essentially like a rebate from the gas utility to defray the cost of mm -hmm. putting in the pipe to your home. And is there a similar rebate for uh, doing electric? Absolutely. Okay. And recently they increased the electric um, line extension allowance, be particularly if you were heating your home with a heat pump because you use more energy, electricity, so it makes sense. And they've decreased the gas extension allowances and they've signaled the, the Oregon uh, Public Utility Commission has signaled, you know, at least an interest or willingness or the contemplation of that line extension allowance going away completely over the next couple of years, which is, of course, we advocates are pushing for that because it feels like a, not a prudent investment um, to be subsidizing new gas infrastructure investment as the world seems to be going away from fossil fuels towards electrification. But so that could help uh, in developers incentivize them to install more, more heat pumps and fewer uh, connections for natural gas. Yes, because it makes installing gas more expensive. Gotcha. And then, of course, there's all sorts of information that shows that building all electric is cheaper to begin with. Because if you think about it, it makes sense. You have to have electricity in your home. You can't build a home without electricity. But why put all that piping from the street, all those, that plumbing, that additional set of plumbing in your home if you don't need it. Um, so, and then the other thing that's happening in terms of mandates um, that's interesting, although, you know, we'll see how it plays out, is that Eugene, the city council in Eugene, after literally years of public debate, um, concluded that it made sense for them to pass an ordinance which basically meant that all new residential construction would have to be all electric in order for them to meet their climate goals, which they had promised to do, that it was an important part of that. So they passed this after, like I said, lots of public process. And the gas utilities have are fighting back, essentially. I mean, Northwest Natural is funding uh, 
a campaign to overturn that dis- decision by the elected officials of Eugene. That's right. There's going to um, be a citywide vote now. Yeah. yeah. And they're putting literally millions of dollars into this. And there's out-of-state money from the gas industry. Mm-hmm. I mean, the estimates are something like $4 million, yeah. which for a, a ballot measure like this is just unprecedented mm-hmm. to essentially you know, scare the populace of Eugene into this thinking that, you know, they're going to be somehow, you know, in a catastrophic situation if, if they can't build new homes with gas. It's just ridiculous. But that's the unfortunate reality with these utilities, like the gas utilities who, you know, see the potential demise of their business as we electrify, they take extreme measures to protect their profits. And so I'm worried about that. Yeah. Got it. Got it. So bottom line is in Oregon, we don't have any mandates at this point. Uh, We have incentives uh, for uh, both uh, residents and businesses and uh, developers to adopt these, but yes. no, no, firm, no mandates, no firm mandates. Um, so wrapping this up, um, you know, some folks may decide to adopt these. Is it realistic to, to think that everybody in Oregon will? Um, and uh, you know, even if they may not necessarily agree with electrification policies, or but you know, they love their gas furnace. How yeah. realistic is it to think that heat pumps will, in fact, uh, replace? Uh, gas furnaces in the future? I'd say it's pretty certain that they will. The question is how long it will take. You know, I think it's very similar to EVs, if you think about it. You know, EVs have get more pop, popular uh, media attention because cars are more much more exciting than, <laughs> than uh, heat pumps and furnaces. Um, but you can see that the car manufacturers have signaled that they're going to transition. How long will it take? I mean, it's going to take decades for that transition to happen. The same thing is happening in HVAC. The same thing is happening with um, cooking stoves that the manufacturers see this. And I can tell you from the conversations I have with them that all their R&D when it comes to space heating is in heat pumps. Just like all the R&D in transportation is going towards electric vehicles, they're not making new gas engines. You know, there's not a lot of R&D going on about gas furnaces. So the, the transition, I think, is going to happen. The question is, how long is it going to take? And what s- sort of public policy measures will accelerate that? You know, incentives are important. Mandates we talked about help in some situations, although, yeah. And then, you know, um, the, the cost, you know, of gas versus electricity, all these things are going to be influences to, to make it happen. And we, we just can't predict how quickly it will happen. Got it. Got it. Well, we'll leave you with that. Uh, Brian, this has been a fascinating conversation and we're going to be following heat pump adoption closely in future stories in the Oregonian and online at Oregon Live. And I'm going to drop uh, links to uh, stories in the show notes, uh, including tips on how to get your own heat pump if you decide to go that route. Uh, Thank you so much for listening to Beat Check with The Oregonian. If you like this show, give us a five-star rating and review in Apple Podcasts. This really helps people find the show and tell a friend. Spread the word. The best way to support our journalism and stories like this is with a subscription to Oregon Live. You can do that at OregonLive.com slash pod support. Until next time.